What's up, golf addicts? In this episode, I'm sitting down with Dylan Fratelli, a South African native, PGA Tour and European Tour stud. We have a pretty good conversation. He's a pretty cool cat, pretty mellow, but he's got some great stories. His honesty was refreshing. We talk about a lot of stuff. Who's the cheapest player on the PGA Tour? I bet you'll be surprised about this one. Uh, some pretty good stories. This dude is cheap, okay, and it's not Matt Kuchar. We talk about, you know, his game, his love for Hilton Head, Pete Dye Designs, Sawgrass, when he thinks he plays his best. We talk about, you know, which tour is the most fun, the European Tour, the PGA Tour. We talk about the lowest point of his career. Even his concerns with legalized gambling and DFS now being such a part of the PGA Tour landscape. We also take some listener questions near the end that you guys submitted. We have a good time with those. And a near fight at the 2018 Nedbank. Dylan was a pretty cool guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. Hope that this interview makes you more of a fan if you're already a fan. And if you have no idea... You know, if you like Dylan or not, I think after this interview, you're going to find yourself pulling for the guy. So we really appreciate his time. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. It is brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag. If you go to mybookie.ag and use promo code TOURJUNKIES when you sign up, you do get a 50% deposit bonus on your money up to $1,000. And currently, if you listen to this before the 2020 Masters and you deposit at least $50 using that promo code, you get a $10 free bet for the Masters. So we've been trusting mybookie.ag for years, about three years now. They take care of our listeners. They take care of our people. Um, and so if you sign up using the Tour Junkies promo code, you can trust you will be taken care of. Good folks over there and a lot of PJ Tour bets along with other sports, politics, religion. You can literally bet on anything over there. So head over to mybookie.ag, promo code Tour Junkies. But for now, enjoy the podcast with Dylan Fratelli. We're the two, we're two, we're two, we're two, we're junkies. We're the two, we're two, we're two, we're two, we're junkies. You gotta have a special guest, DFS, DB, and them long shots. From Augusta to Sawgrass, we got your picks, we got your stats. Catch a bus, catch a lap, sip some rolls, lay with Pat. Two or two or two or two or junkies. We're the two or two or two or two or junkies. All right, golf addicts, welcome to another lovely edition of the Tour Junkies podcast. We've got a brand new guest on the show, a PGA Tour professional that we've never had on before, and we, we talk about him a good bit. We talk about him quite often, and we've especially talked about him this year as he's had quite the season. He's hails from uh, Austin, Texas, by way of Johannesburg, South Africa, started playing golf at just 12 years old, uh, notoriously a member of the University of Texas 2012 national title team. You know him because he won the John Deere this past season. He's a two-time winner on the European Tour. And already two top tens this fall season. Mr. Dylan Fratelli. What's up, Dylan? Thanks for joining the podcast, man. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, dude. We appreciate it. You've already had quite the, uh, quite the fall season. Re- coming right off the John Deere uh, victory, you've got to be pretty pumped about that. Playing well right now. Yeah, no, the game's in good shape. Uh, I didn't have such a hot fall last year in my rookie year, so I was excited to get going again once the new season started up, and I'm happy with the results so far. Obviously, working towards next year when the the meat of the season comes along, that's obviously when we make all our money and try and do our best. But, yeah, it's a good good precursor to the next new year, I guess, not new season. Well, we're definitely going to talk some golf, but we got to get this out of the way. Uh, you're from South Africa. We, we can tell by your Instagram you enjoy some surfing. 
So the next question is naturally any great white encounters that you could tell us about in South Africa? <laughs> uh, no, I, luckily I haven't had any, but the place I surf in Cape Town is actually about, I mean, I don't know, two, three miles away from where they film all of those Air Jaws series on National Geographic <laughs> when you have Shark Week and you see those 18 foot sharks jumping out of the water, taking out seals. That's pretty much where I surf. So Yikes. I'm right in the thick of it when I'm down there, but I, I try not to think about them. I know they're there. They're definitely there. I just pray I don't see them. They don't touch me. They don't come anywhere close. Would you, uh, would you ever do the whole cage diving thing? Have you thought about doing that? No, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not good. They throw chum in the water and they attract the sharks. That's definitely not what I want. So yeah, I'll stay away from that and not add to it. Understood. Well, glad we got that out of the way. Now, this is this might come out of left field, but this has been a hot topic for us, and I want to see where you stand on this. We've been doing a survey of uh, some of the PGA Tour professionals that we have close relationships close relationships with, as well as some caddies, and we want to get your answer on this. Do you say any of the following, yes or no? Do you say golfing, okay. like let's go golfing? No, I absolutely hate that reference, and I always <laughs> correct people when they use it. I don't yes. want to be sexist or anything, but it's mainly girls that use it. I'm like, oh my God, uh, can we go golfing? And I'm like, no, I don't want to see you ever again. For using that word. <laughs> so you also don't say, I'm going to go golf. Do you say, I, I would, would you like to go golf no. later? No. Okay. I'm, I'm a stickler for good language. So my mother always got on me. She's a teacher and I like to use proper verbs, nouns, pronouns, like just say it properly you don't go tennising or footballing hey dude you want to go footballing later no you don't do that you play football as well as play golf i absolutely could not disagree or could not agree anymore and we appreciate you setting the record straight we've had quite the debate on that we we are we are on the twitter streets and in the podcast trying to convince the people that follow us and listen to us to to get that out of your vernacular and we I mean, just I'm going to some... be a snob for saying that, but yeah, that's that... just the truth, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, of all, to... I think you're like the tenth PGA Tour pro we've asked, and only one has said that they say it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to air as he asked to, to remain anonymous, but only one said that they say it. So it's obviously pretty clear that if, if you know what you're doing, <laughs> you don't say it. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Um, I, I want to ask real quick before we get like into some more recent stuff, like. The, the NCAA finals in 2012, you were a part of the match that really closed it out. Uh, Jordan Spieth, a member of your team there at the University of Texas, Longhorns. Um, I know you're, you're still pretty involved in the, in the program over there. Um, I actually remember watching that finals uh, on the Golf Channel, I think. Um, is there anything that stands out to you or that, or that stands out like maybe before – maybe just before that final day or during or even right after in the aftermath that maybe most people haven't heard or wouldn't know about um, or just a, like a, a major memory that when you look back on that, you it always comes to your mind. So there were two things. Uh, the first thing was that we'd actually lost. Well, I lost the conference championship, big 12. So we're playing at whispering pines. We had a, three shot lead on the or two shot lead on the team and I had a three shot individual lead and that was I guess three four weeks before nationals I managed to finish double par triple to lose both those titles oh. so that was kind of a precursor to to nationals like that hit us hard we were looking at it like holy cow we just gave Texas A&M a, a big 12 conference title and that was the last year they were in the big 12 so 
that was kind of a bummer. We had a great season so far, and and I kind of took that on the chin. But the weirdest thing was I felt pretty calm after that. I was like, well, it happened. Let's move on. We managed to get through regionals and go to nationals, and obviously had a much better taste in our mouths after nationals. But leading into that final match, we also had a bit of a blunder in the second round of stroke play. Um, I guess if you watch the Longhorn Network's like recap of the event, you'll you'll get a picture of it. But <clears throat> nationals is really tough in that you have to get into that top eight after stroke play, 30 teams into top eight just to get into the match play. And we really wet the bed in that second round and moved, I think we went on to like 14th place or 13th place. And we were like, oh gosh, what yeah. happened? But I actually managed the whole, and he, I mean, it's probably going to sound like I'm the most chauvinistic guy ever that everything revolves around me, but. No, that's, that's was, what you're here for. <laughs> it was a crazy story because coming down the 18th, I hold out for Eagle. I had an eight iron from like, it was like 180 or 178 and second bounce went straight in the hole. And that basically all the guys were standing around the green watching this. Like, Oh my gosh, that was crazy. And that kind of lifted our spirits. Like we had a terrible day, but Fratelli Eagle the last and like kind of gave us a bit of momentum. It actually got us into the, I think it was the afternoon wave, whatever it was. We, we basically looked at it and said, okay, that was a bad day, whatever. Let's just move on. And the next day we came back, played our way into, I think we were third in the seating, so we managed to wow. make up like 10 spots on the final round. So that's something that could have changed, I guess, the story of the whole week. If we didn't make the match play, obviously there's no way we can win the title. Wow. An eight iron from 180. Pat, that's pretty stock for you, isn't it? That's about what you do. Yeah. yeah it was downwind. It, it was <laughs> landed 10 yards short of the flag and keep it in the middle of the green. But, yeah, no, it was a crazy shot. That's awesome. Um, th- looking at this year, we're going to kind of hop around a little bit here, Dylan. Um, thinking about this year, excluding the majors, what events uh, do you look forward to playing the most? And, and where do you think uh, – what are a couple courses that you kind of look at on your schedule? Obviously, the John Deere would be one. Um, and you kind of look at it and go, you know, that, that place really suits me or I really like the way it feels or fits my eye for that second or maybe third or fourth PGA Tour victory. So I haven't played, obviously, many PGA Tour events. I played 10 events previous year before I had any status on tour. So for me, it's the courses that I've been to multiple times. So I guess I'm looking forward to Hilton Head this year. I didn't get in this last year with my status. So Hilton Head is a course I really enjoyed. I, I love Pete Dye design, so I'll probably name you a bunch of nice, Pete yeah. Dye courses. Um, the match play in Austin, that's obviously a huge one. Hometown, I can sleep in my own bed and I like to see myself doing well in that event if I can play my way back into the top 64. Um, players, that's another big one. I played the inaugural junior players champs back in uh, 08, summer of 08. So that's another course I remember. All those changed a lot since then. And obviously with the new date, it's going to play a little different. But I'm excited about that one. Um, are you that's pretty much it that jumps out? I, I can't think of any events that I'm just like, oh, that's that's a money maker. Like for sure, I'm going to do well there. I kind of tailor my game around playing a lot of events and usually playing well on the second, third, fourth week of a trip. Yeah, that, so that, that brings up a couple other questions before I let Pat jump in here. You mentioned Austin. You mentioned a hometown event. We talk about that all the time. You know, there, there's, I guess there's probably, and you confirm this or or, or correct me, like there's probably a, a set of tour players who love the hometown events and they, you know, they feel like they have an edge because they are sleeping in their own bed. They're comfortable and they feel like they can play better. But then obviously you hear the other side of it where, you know, you have the family demands, the friends kind of demands, all the additional pressure 
are you one of those who you kind of feel like if you could play in Austin, that would actually work to your favor rather than maybe be more of a headache? So I played the match play two years ago and it was, it was an awesome week. I had a good setup. I'd stayed with friends closer to the golf course and that kind of insulated me from a lot of the craziness. And I had my manager here and he was running tickets out to everybody. So luckily I had a, a team helping out, but in my experience in South Africa, it's gone the other way. It's been more of a distraction. I've had to obviously get tickets for family and in South Africa I have way more people to take care of. So it's no wonder that I haven't won any sunshine tour events or European tour events in South Africa. The only one I had was in Mauritius, which is a little island floating around. So no one was there, but yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that I, I'm a pretty nice guy. So I tend to try and go too far in terms of helping and giving time and, and trying to get stuff settled for my family and make sure they're okay. So it's something I'm having to switch in my, my game now just to be a little more selfish and not worry about everyone else just really focus on the game. So I, I'm definitely on the side of more distraction than making it easier. Makes sense. Dylan, I got a, I got a, a question from a friend of ours over in London. He's a listener, but also writes a, an article for us weekly on the European tour, Ash Morrison. And he asked, you know, having played a bit on the, on the European tour and the PGA tour, which tour do you think is more fun? And uh, are there any unforgettable moments or, or stories just from maybe off the course or on the course uh, from your, your Euro, European tour time out there? Um, it's a good question. It depends what kind of person you are. The European tour is definitely more fun if you're a social, get out, have dinner with friends and do that kind of thing. Because most of the time we're in foreign countries, we're all staying in the same hotel. So quite easy yeah, let's just get out walk to the restaurant lots of south africans on the european tour so i was way more social when i was playing more often there but here in the states i prefer it because i am with that said i am more of an insular type guy i do spend a lot of time on my own and often i just prefer to i mean even just eat at the golf course really late roll back to the home get a little snack or something have a shower and go to bed most of the time i'm, I'm not out at dinner at 9 p.m I'm, I'm in bed going to sleep so I kind of prefer the U.S. tour setup um, in that regard, but Europe definitely was tons of fun. I played the Challenge Tour for four years, and that was way more social because you have to share cars, you have to share accommodation. It's like prize money is so small that you got to save wherever you can, and it forces you to kind of aggregate around guys and friends and, and other players. So there's tons of stories from the Challenge Tour that I could probably tell you, but I'm not sure we have enough time for the listeners. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, think of a, let me think of one. So I have a couple in mind, but I've mentioned those before in other media posts. So it's uh, probably the one when I was sitting in Kazakhstan. We play, it was a big event that the Euro European Challenge Tour used to have. And it was a Saturday afternoon. I was waiting for an invitation, possibly for the Dunhill Links in Scotland. And then there was also a tournament in Fiji the next week. So I was literally in Kazakhstan on a Saturday evening, not knowing whether I was flying 10 hours west to scotland or 10 hours east or seven hours east to fiji to go and play and i hadn't booked a flight because i was waiting for an invite Ugh. to come so that's probably one of the craziest Ugh. situations i was in eventually i flew to fiji i went almaty beijing beijing hong kong hong kong fiji so that was a crazy one on travel spectrum but I didn't really get up to too much mischief when I was over in Europe, so there's not any crazy stories that I'm sure your listeners want to hear. 
<laughs> did you play well that week in Fiji after all that travel or no? I did actually. I think uh, I finished, I don't know, someone can uh, correct me, but uh, I believe it was like 12th or 14th place. What do you think kind of the lowest point of your professional career ever since coming out of college was? Um, I mean, that's easy to check. Just go look at my world ranking and figure <laughs> out when it was the worst. But To you, um, was that, no, what, what was your lowest? I mean, I'm, I, I always kind of blur the, the years together playing on the Challenge Tour, but it was halfway through or towards the end of my second year on tour. So end of 14, like middle of 14, end of 14, it wasn't great. I played a bunch of golf in 13 and didn't go home, didn't go back to Texas, didn't practice much, and I basically lost my game. I was hitting it all over the place off the tee. I couldn't figure out how to find a fairway. I was still able to score because I had a smart brain and I could get a bit of short game to save me, but it was just, it was a dark place. I'd never <laughs> played that terribly for an extended period of time. But luckily, I still had sponsorship money to take care of me. And I, I didn't have to worry in the sense of like, oh, I'm going to run out of cash and I won't be able to do this anymore. So I knew I had that in my back pocket. So I just basically figured, hey, you're either going to have to find a job or go back to grad school or something, or you're going to have to knuckle down and, and basically figure it out. And so many people have asked that the follow-up question, I assume, but like, what was the change or what was the, yeah. was it a mental thing? Was it a technical thing? And it's 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 tough to figure that out. I don't even know the answer to it. All I do know is I basically reapplied myself and figured that I had to start working again. I started working with Chuck Cook in Austin on my long game. Previously, I'd just been a little short game coach. And that was a big switch that helped me figure out my golf swing and get the ball back on the map. And from there, obviously, technical ability breeds confidence in your mental side and your, your performance on the course. And before you know it, hey, I'm shooting in the 60s again and feeling comfortable and and then go into, I guess, 2016, end of 15 was pretty good. I didn't get in many tournaments back in Europe, so I had to play my way back on tour. And then 16, I played great on the Challenge Tour and got my world ranking close to the top 100. And then that was basically the end of it. And ever since then, I've had the reminder, like, don't ever forget that. Like, you still have to train. You still have to practice. You can't just go play basically 28 weeks out of 33 in a year and not do your practice. So, you know, I know we talked about sort of before we got started that we, we talk a lot of gambling and, and fantasy golf, um, drafting. Yeah. Stuff. You know, what are your thoughts on the impact of that you know, on the tour? I know we've seen the tour actually kind of have a little partnership with DraftKings right now and accept that a little bit more. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that and, and what it sort of brings to the game? So, to be honest, I don't know anything about I know very little about sports gambling and even less about golf sports gambling. I don't even know how guys place bets on us, but I definitely know it's the future. I listened to a podcast the other day about basically the dynamics of sports betting and how it came about and fantasy football and all that stuff. And I've realized that it's a billion dollar industry and I mean, multi, multi billion dollar, but I think it's good. It's obviously going to draw people to the game. And I think, golf is positioned as a sport that really has tons of angles to like, I mean, there's so many stats involved that there've got to be so many options of bets to place that it could just be a huge cash cow for the tour, for individual players, for organizations. And I'm, I'm for growing the game. So anything that gets more interest, gets more money involved and and gets people watching golf, it's, it's got to be a good thing. So I, I don't know where the tour is going to go. The tour has a bit of trepidation. I will say that like looking at, how they've approached it and how they're trying to capture the market a little bit. It, it's something that's going to take 
I guess, a lot of foresight because obviously you have fans out there. We had a meeting and I came up with a point of like, hang on, so you're going to have a bet that someone's missing a fairway left or right or hitting it into a certain spot of a green. The ball's still in motion. Someone can go and kick that ball. Someone can go and header it. Like they can influence the outcome. So how is that fair on a betting scale? And and how is that fair to us that people may run out to the fairway while the ball's rolling and kick it in the rough? Like that's not going to be fun. So I think there are a lot of things that they have to figure out before they can start placing these bets and, and figuring things out. What about with your when you're just kind of playing around with with other tour players or you know not not in tournament rounds but your friends or whatever? What are what are the games you play? Do y'all have any bets going on or is that not? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, you're probably gonna like the answer, but I, I'm the least like betting guy in college. I didn't even think about playing for money. <laughs> Obviously, it's illegal, and guys play for marbles and they they reference other things. But <laughs> I maybe my senior, I guess I started playing for some things, push-ups and whatnot. But I have an ongoing match with Julian Suri, who I used to travel a lot with on the European tour, and we play $2 skins, no carryovers. So it's, it's a really Real big steep. bet, and Real it steep. gets really tight. Yeah, no, I, I've played that bet with a few guys on the PJ tour, and they just like look at me like, are you kidding? I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, $2 skins, we can play carryover if you want, but ideally... <laughs> I would not. So it's it's up now to where I'm I'm happy to play like ten dollar skins or five dollar. No, normally with my guys back in Austin, other pros, I played five dollar skins with a birdie doubling that to ten. So that's a nice way just to have something. I mean, I still feel the pressure when I'm playing for five bucks. So yeah, I don't yeah. really need. I, I see guys playing for thousand dollars and they start whipping out cash and checks and stuff and i'm like what what's the point of that there's no difference in my mind between five bucks and 500 like it's still the act of getting money out or handing it across i like it all right um all right so who's a young golfer out on tour that you think is could be just a stud that that you're not or we're not seeing a lot of talk about in the media or or anywhere else who, who do you see out there that Kind of so I don't around. watch golf media, so I don't know if he's being talked about, but I would say the next guy in, in my mind is Victor Hovland. I think yeah. he's kind of flown under the radar because of Matt Wolf winning and Colin Morikawa. Like they obviously take the headlines and do like, oh my gosh, but someone quizzed me. I think it was a Golf Digest quiz that they just ran at the end of this year. They published this month, but they just said, who's who's the next guy? Morikawa, Wolf, or Hovland? I said Hovland, hands down. Like, don't take anything away from the other two guys that have won. But Victor is going to be a very good player for a very long time. He's just got the makeup that's built around consistency and playing well over time and like technically flawless, got a good caddy on the bag, got a good setup. I think the only thing that could probably derail him is a crazy girlfriend or a crazy wife. That's about it. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, that could happen to anyone, but he's actually talked about a lot in our world. Um, in our world. Yeah. Maybe okay. not obviously golf nuts so he is he has talked about a good amount but but i could definitely see you know as far as just the average golf fan not really um, knowing much about him but i think he's definitely going to be his stud so um all right so if, if you could ditch south africa and play for the Ryder cup which team would you play for and why um i actually could have played the Ryder cup could have switched my nationality so that's actually a legit question nice <laughs> all right I have an Italian passport as well, so I had to make that decision last year when the Olympic window was starting, and it was a tough 
tough, tough decision. I worried about it for about six months. Like ended up meeting with the Italian Federation and the European Tour, and and basically I, I didn't get good vibes from the European Tour or the Italian Federation. Were great. They were awesome. They're like, we'll open you, we'll let you in, whatever you need. Just let us know. And I just I couldn't do it in the end. I had to keep my South African flag next to my name. I just felt a little strange if I had to walk into the Olympics with an Italian flag next to my name it wouldn't have been fair so for me it was a real real situation and I almost made the switch but now that I look back I'm, I'm kind of glad that I've kept my my South African status nice so you would have been so you would have been on the on the European side for the Ryder Cup huh? yeah you know, no I could I could have made that switch I actually had goals of being the first guy to ever play I guess all four teams if there was a way to do it but apparently the European tour said no there's no way you can switch once you play Ryder Cup for Europe you can never I said well what if you give up your citizenship and you naturalize an American citizen all the time surely you can be selected for the U.S. team that I mean you can't tell me that I'm not American if I have a passport and I don't have any other citizenship anywhere else in the world <laughs> so I wanted to do that U.S. Ryder Cup team U.S. President's Cup team yeah. International President's Cup team and like I had that amazing goal, but then they told me, no, you can't do that. So I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Props for trying though. That's pretty, that's pretty. I mean, it would have taken, if you look at it, about 15 or 18 years, but yeah. most golfers have a career for that long anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question for me, then I'll let uh, DB kind of button us up here. But if you had to pick a European tour player or a PGA tour player, that was going to be your wingman in a bar, just brawl. Who is it going to be? A brawl, so like a fight? Yeah. 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 Oh, goodness. He's got um, your back. He has to be a tour player. Man. So this kind of, this was floating around this summer. One of the meme accounts or someone like mentioned it and I had a good answer. I, a lot of people say like Scott Stallings because he's like really yeah, yeah. physically gifted and trains a lot but i don't think he's very i guess aggressive or has that mindset that he can take <laughs> on a guy bigger than him um damn that is a tough question we're, we're, we're buddies with scott and and yeah i think you're right he's he's a pretty gentle guy he's, t he's not timid he's just a nice guy he's yeah, like yeah, no, I don't need a punch you need you need a guy with a little edge on him you know you need, you need that's why i'm trying to think of someone that's like a little crazy that'll do anything <laughs> Rory Sabatini came to mind, but I don't think <laughs> I was he, thinking about he's it. strong enough to, he's crazy enough to do something and, and step in front and help me. But I'm going through the European so now. This is going to be tricky. Let me think about it for a second. I feel like Pat Perez would just, I don't know. Oh, that, oh yeah. Okay. Wait. <laughs> Somebody like that. Okay. Yeah. So I would, I would actually, I've got, I think Pat Perez would be a good guy to have. He's pretty, pretty mellow at most times but like i feel like if you get a bit of alcohol in him and you get him excited he'll basically do anything for you like i've never really chatted to him much besides this asian trip now and i really kind of enjoy being around him he's quite a cool guy yeah he seems like you know he would just like hit the metallica track in his head and just go ahead and start throwing throwing punches um yeah I mean, he was in the gym in korea and he was just throwing weight around like i mean it wasn't any golf specific anything but he was he was definitely moving around some weight <laughs> i was impressed I, I do think the rory sabatini move would be an interesting one too I, that, and it's kind of funny like that's 
in in some ways that's a little bit how we even connected with you as i commented on your instagram story of you and rory uh eating i think breakfast together something at the uh at the zozo and rory had his shark tooth necklace on that i was kind of jabbing at um yeah no rory is one of a kind he's not south african he's not slovakian he's yeah. not american he's from outer space pretty much but i love him he's a, he's a cool dude he seems like a character um, all right. Well, we've got some listener questions here that I want to throw at you real quick and we'll button it up, Dylan. Sweet. Um, this one comes from, most of these come from Instagram. I think, uh, at bar putt says without disclosing names, can you recall a moment of palpable tension between two players in a tournament that you were, that you were, you witnessed Props yes, to our listener for using and a fellow golfer on the European tour. If you want to, Google round three tee times at the 2018 Nedbank Challenge. You can reference who I'm okay. talking about, but it almost came to blows on the golf course. So it was a ruling incident and I'd asked for a ruling and I got a ruling and he walked over and tried to basically tell me that I was an idiot and <laughs> I'm a disgrace and how can I ask for a ruling like this? And, and I was just, wait, what? Like you swearing at me and calling me these names on a golf course. Like I thought there's a little bit of respect out here, but I guess not. And then later on in the round, he decided to ask for another ruling and basically he got a drop that I did not agree with. That was totally against <laughs> the rules of golf, the spirit of golf, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, almost came to blows again there. So Yikes. that was a situation that I'd, I'd been a part of. It was the first time ever in junior amateur, like amateur golf, but I haven't really witnessed anything between oh no actually i lie uh 2007 south african amateur i basically had to get in the middle of two guys a south african and a french player <laughs> french guys on the european tour right now but the south african guy blatantly cheated and like dropped the ball out the back of his hand and that guy actually plays on the sunshine tour right now so what? they were like french french guy was basically walking down the fairway going yeah, blah, blah, blah. like he dropped the ball the ball is here and it's not here and you look for the ball and how can you <laughs> basically like mouthing and shouting and hands waving and the other guys like, Oh, I promise you this is my ball. I promise you. And I'm just like, okay, guys, just chill. Like <laughs> we can figure this out and just relax. That was more funny than like aggro, but yeah, it was a crazy situation back in amateur golf. You, you seem like a pretty level, like level guy. So I, I would think it'd be, it'd take a lot to get you riled up, but somebody comes. Oh no, I was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then the end of the round, sign my card and, and walk out and then he still has to have an excuse me i want to talk to you like, really okay what's the deal and we yeah. just basically had it out and i eventually said dude there are ways to do things and the way you handled it was not correct like yeah i shook your hand on the 18th hole i said no hard feelings and now you got to come back at me and start like i'm done with this i'm, yeah. I'm moving on well a follow-up question to that is actually another listener question from at kj ken one and that is how regularly do you see cheating on the pga tour or european tour and if you do, what do um, you tend to see? Obviously, they're blurred lines. There are a lot of gray yeah. lines on tour yeah. with rulings and intent. And you, you, the, a lot of the rules are, was there intent? Did the guy intend to cheat? Like, if you want to draw a hard line, there's cheating all the time. Like, people talk about the backstopping and guys leaving balls at the hole. I don't believe that's cheating because most guys don't have intent of, like, aiming at that ball and trying to use it right. as a backstop. But there are gray lines hazards did it go in here did it cross like i've definitely had guys in my group try and push the boundaries and i've often just like stood up for the rules of golf and 
I'm sure there are times when guys have looked at me and been like, oh, well, I don't think your ball like went in there or stuff like that. But like, I'm the guy that's hit the shot. I know my golf ball, I've seen it. Like, so there's a lot of tricky situations like that, but blatant cheating, I don't think that's very common. I don't think guys are out there trying to drop balls and find balls. I've heard stories and you hear things, but I mean, maybe five guys or three guys in a 160 man field would be considered like, out and out blatant cheaters. That's good to know. Good to, good to hear. Um, at NY underscore one five two wants to know how often do you replace your wedges? Oh, uh, that's actually a great question. I would say every two months. That's, that's probably my average. I've got basically a boneyard of wedges in my house. <laughs> I've just got tons. Like when I have friends come over and, basically have party favors i'm like hey do you want to take a wedge with you like i've got a got a bunch of wedges here they're kind of old by my standards but by most golfers the grooves are still pretty fresh yeah um all right we got a couple from uh at c underscore parks 67 he asked a few good ones so i put them on here who's the most frugal player that you know of on either tour in other words, he's asking who's the Fratelli. cheapest guy you know. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Fratelli. It sounds like it from the betting thing. You're pretty uh, – you hold the money pretty close to the vest. I am. Um, I mean, people use different adjectives to describe <laughs> me, but if you speak to Julian, sir, my buddy on the European tour, Eric Van Royen, those guys, they will yeah. they will tell you stories. Basically, playing on the challenge tour, you have to save as much money as you can because yeah. the price funds are so low, and I've just – I've come up with some of the best devised plans to save money and, and not spend. It's just for me, like why, why waste money? Why, yeah. why go and do it? If there's a way to do it, other guys would be like, Oh, Bill, you go into the next level to like, I mean, we were cleaning our clothes and hotel rooms and bath tubs and stuff. Cause it costs way too much to send it to dry cleaning in Europe. And those are things that I don't, I'm not scared to say it. Like some guys would be embarrassed by it, but I'm not, I'm like, Hey, I couldn't afford to, pay yeah. two dollars for a shirt to be dry cleaned so i just washed it in my bathtub hey man that's the grind that makes you appreciate what you got now you know exactly um, no, exactly that's that's good well we got two more questions we're gonna let you go um this one's from from the same same listener he wants to know what's the most ridiculous tweet or instagram direct message uh that you've ever gotten from a fan or a follower maybe you haven't gotten any i don't know I've I've got a few random ones. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but oh, I think the biggest thing that got me the, in the last few weeks in Korea, I commented on, I started commenting on a lot of PJ Tour stuff. It's a great way to get followers and basically give insight to all the yeah. people watching social media. And I commented on a Matthew Wolf post where he said, oh, this course is beautiful. It's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I played golf in or you can go to the post and find it. I said, I've played golf in more places than most guys on tour, like hinting at my background challenge to a European tour. Like I've yeah. played in over 30 countries. And I second what Matt says. It's a beautiful golf course. And all these people come back. You're such a snob. You're hoping you think you're better than other players. And I was just like, seriously, guys, like just read the words. I just said, I've played in more places than most guys on this tour. And that's the truth. Just, just look at it like it's yeah. a fact you can't deny it um and all these guys are just going i mean i responded to each and every one of them i was like just read the comment like it's people like you that get other pros to stop commenting and i'm trying to give you insight into the tour and trying to give you cool angles and cool things and you're just ruining it for everyone else so 
I came back and hit them with facts and I guess most of them backed down, but a few of them were still like, Oh, you're just trying to show off. I'm like, I'm not trying to show off. I play golf in a lot of places. And I'm just saying that Matt Wolf's view, the first time he leaves the U S to play golf, he's a kid in a candy store. He's not just a kid in a candy store. This golf course actually is beautiful. And I'm trying to yeah, give you another reference. That makes so, sense. That's the yeah. most recent one. The, the old, the old mean streets of social media, man, we get it. Um, yeah, I don't take it, man. I'm not the guy that like in pull to blocks people, but I'll just give it back and then forget yeah. about it. <laughs> By the way, uh, good Instagram follow you are, and that's at Fratelli Vision uh, two T's two L's. What's the vision about? Is that is that your is that referencing your, it, the glasses? It, it, yeah, it's a double meaning, I guess. It's the glasses I always wear on the course, and then television. Oh uh, yeah, I got you. For okay. Television. So it's basically an insight into my life and pictures and videos and. Like, last name i love it man it, it's uh it's a good follow so follow him on uh, you're mainly active on instagram you don't really do a lot on twitter instagram's right? the one yeah pj sure wants us on twitter but I, I don't have time to read through threads and figure out that some guy's <laughs> telling me how to hit a seven iron on 12th hole <laughs> <laughs> i hear you um well uh, last question for us and it's always a fun one uh when you get somebody that, that gets a win on the pga tour like you did at the john deere and as a as a good follow-up to your frugality you you had to have treated yourself with something after the John Deere victory. And what, what did you, did you treat yourself with anything and what was it? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> the story was, I told myself what my first pro win, I would buy myself an Xbox in college. I kind of got hooked on Call of Duty and FIFA. And I yes. told myself Xbox first win. I won a two round event on the sunshine. So I said, no, that's not big enough. And I won on the challenge tour and I said, no, that's not big enough. It's a minor tour. Then I won on the European tour. And I said, hmm, that's still not big enough. But the funny thing was I actually played in the pro-am with a guy that works for PlayStation during that tournament. I won on the European tour. So I was given a PlayStation after that week anyway. So I didn't have to purchase one, but no, I'm not one for cars and, and fancy things like that. But I, I think surfing is the one spot that I will spend a bit of money. So I'm going to try to get some, some surfboard setup that I have a few in Austin and I have a few in South Africa. I'll definitely drop some money in the off season now on some, some surfboards. Nice, man. That is interesting. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> like winning on the European tour and not, not being able to pull the trigger on an Xbox. It was going to be, uh, that, I just that... would play too much and be so distracted that my game was tougher. So I'm like, no, I am not doing that. <laughs> that really puts some of my recent purchases in perspective. <laughs> yeah, <I'm not> even... <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, you must be a big Dave Ramsey fan. You, you listen to Dave Ramsey radio? <laughs> I don't know who Dave is, but maybe I should give him a listen. Oh man, you don't know who Dave Ramsey? He's like the he's like the money guru of uh, of the U.S. He's like he's got a, a nationally syndicated radio show, and he's all about like no debt, saving money. Uh, it, it's a big it's a big deal. Um, I mean, I could probably teach him some lessons. Too, you probably so could. <laughs> uh, hey, man, we appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time and responding to a, an Instagram DM. That was pretty cool of you. Um, and we'll definitely, uh, you, you got, you've got some new fans, I believe, after a lot of our listeners hear this. And um, we hope you have a great rest of uh, the 2019 fall season and getting into 2020. It's going to be a big year. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. And we'll see you soon, hopefully.